Hello, and welcome to The Plants We Eat, an investigation of the surprising history, biology, and culture behind the plants that we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman. I'm the director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and a plant history enthusiast. I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time instructor from Central Piedmont in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a garden coach, landscape professional, enthusiast, lover of plants. (laughs) For plants. Love helping people with plants. Chocolate. Chocolate. I mean, it's chocolate. Today, we are going to talk about chocolate <sighs> or, the, or, the, or the cocoa bean. So, you know, chocolate in one form or another has been uh, consumed for 6,000 years. No surprise. We have a, a chocolate tree at the Botanical Gardens. I wondered if you did. We, we do. And we have pods. We do develop pods. And it is, um, it's edible. And you know, when you eat the pods fresh off the tree, it tastes uh, good, but it tastes really nothing like chocolate. Is it, is the, how big are the pods? Uh, <laughs> about so big. <laughs> I know, sorry. Uh, a little <laughs> Gourd a little size? Bit, uh, a little bit smaller than a football. Okay. A little, well, a little bit. Mm, I would see that. I can six, see that. Six sevenths, three quarters, four fifths <laughs> the size of a football. Okay. okay. I, I, let me say three quarters the size of a football. Okay. So you know one of those small footballs that kids throw around? Mm-hmm. Maybe one of those. How long can I take to describe the size <laughs> of one of these pots? <laughs> um, so, yeah, a little bit smaller than a football. Nice taste. Very different than chocolate. Of course, cocoa comes from the seeds, which are fermented and dried. That's what has to be done to get that chocolate flavor. The, uh, the pods themselves were, have been eaten in a variety of different ways over the years. One of the interesting ways that I think is that um, the pulp that surrounds the beans, and so the beans are all kind of nestled in there in the center of that pod, but there's this pulp around them. That could be eaten as a snack, or it can be fermented into uh, an alcoholic beverage, mm-hmm. which I've never tried, but let me tell you, it's actually on my list of things to do the next time we have pods. There are so many interesting things about this genus. So before we talk about chocolate, I really want to talk about this genus of plants. There are about 15 species uh, within the genus, and I'm familiar with the cocoa tree, but I've got to tell you, there's a second species that I found out about that I was just fascinated by, which I'm embarrassed to say I knew nothing about, and is now on my list of plants that we have got to get. And it's called Kopasu, and I know I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, and I apologize. <laughs> and everybody's saying, you're doing a podcast. Couldn't you take the time to figure this out? No, I was so excited. All I could do was look up stuff on it. <laughs> so it's called Kopasu, and the pulp of the tree is used for ice cream and candy bars. This is the national fruit of Brazil. It's also known as jaguar tree or mocambo tree. It produces a what they call something similar to cocoa. It forms a stable, foamy drink. And I, I'm, I'm actually really anxious to try this tree out. Now, all of the plants in this genus are, of course, in the uh, Malvaceae is basically the, uh, the group of plants that includes hibiscus. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to me that this tree is in the hibiscus family. If you look at the flowers, and the flowers, by the way, grow along the trunks of the tree, Which they is, grow along the branches. That's unusual. You it know, is. It, you know what it reminds me of? And some of you may be familiar with this tree, especially if you live in the South, redbud. Oh. The way the flowers grow right. on the tree is very similar to the way redbud flowers but you're grow. Right. But the flowers are so much bigger. The flowers aren't that big. But then the redbud. Oh, yes. Yeah, so no. The flowers are tiny. They're t- but they're, much, they're about an inch big. No. No? No, they're, okay. t- they're teeny tiny. Okay. They're teeny tiny. Okay. 
I can show you a picture. Okay. I'll show you a I picture later. You. They're 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 teeny tiny. I look at them all the time. I actually used a special macro lens to get pictures of them because once I found out about this, I just started taking pictures of this this flower because it's actually similar to hibiscus in a weird kind of okay. way. Well, what gives me pause is how big the seed pods are just growing out of the branch. They are huge, yes. What did you say? Three quarters, eight yeah, fifths, ten sizes of a football? Yeah. Okay. All right. I believe you. I'm currently showing Cindy a, a picture so that she can realize how teeny tiny these things really are. <laughs> because I had to send this to my wife last week after I spent so much time researching it. Anyway, <laughs> these are awesome flowers. They, they're reminiscent of hibiscus flowers, but they're teeny tiny. A tree can have uh, somewhere in the range of 10,000 blooms. But out of these 10,000 blooms, only to 20 to 30 are going to be pollinated. Uh, the pollinators, the, the insects that pollinate, are these teeny tiny little midges, little flies. Oh, okay. Each pod that you get is going to have about 40 seeds that are going to become the cocoa beans. So the cocoa beans are actually seeds. You know, the thing is, we call them beans. Uh, beans really usually come from legumes. Mm -hmm. So we really shouldn't call them a bean. We should call them a seed. Mm -hmm. And with those 20, 30 fertilized flowers, only one tree makes about three large bars of chocolate. That's it. One tree only makes about three large bars wow. of chocolate. Isn't that incredible? Mm -hmm. So fascinating, fascinating plant. So it just, it, <laughs> I found so many interesting things about chocolate. <laughs> um because of its slow melting point, you guys have probably heard of, of the fat, the butter extracted from the seeds. Both um, kapasu and cocoa, they, the fat that comes from them has this very low melting point, which is actually extremely important in medicine today. And it's extremely important because of the slow melting point, these can be used as carriers for suppositories. <laughs> 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 yeah, that is not what you wanted. You, you, you wanted you wanted to know that, right? I did. I did. Okay. <laughs> so originally, um, originally these beans were considered valuable enough to use as currency, uh, and this is from an ancient Aztec document. And they're actually, you know, as I look through all the literature, there are a lot of ancient Aztec documents out there that talk about trading beans for different things. So it's you know a standard of trade. One bean could be traded for a tamale. A uh, hundred beans could purchase a good turkey hen. You could buy almost anything with, with these beans. I mean, isn't that, isn't that fantastic? Uh, you could almost <laughs> now. You know, chocolate's that? so popular. You could, yeah. We could almost be currency now, chocolate bars. Exactly. That's right. Well, you could. <laughs> Again, it considered very, very valuable, but uh, I, I'm supposing that everybody could use it as, as money, but in terms of actually ingesting it, it was only considered uh, safe for men. It was considered toxic to women and children. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the stimulant in chocolate isn't actually caffeine. And that's, you know, a lot of people think that caffeine is the stimulant in chocolate, but it's not. It's actually something called theobromine, which is very similar to caffeine, but not exactly the same. The effects are not quite as strong as caffeine. And that is why chocolate is toxic. Uh, to dogs. Actually, I'm going to come back to that in just a sec. Um, well, in but I wanted in pregnancy too. That's why. Okay. That's why women. It was thought to be harsh for women because it's not a good compound while you're pregnant. Okay. For some uh, reason, you talk about caffeine or the theobromine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 
interesting note on caffeine, uh, which we'll probably touch when we when we talk about coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with uh, with premature babies, they actually give them caffeine to stimulate mm-hmm. um, their hearts. So something that I that I wanted to mention is that um, chocolate back in in South America when it was taken by the Aztecs, it was taken as a as a drink. And this drink was usually mixed with a variety of, of different things, or could be mixed with a variety of different things, including uh, maize, chili, vanilla, uh, and honey. So it typically wasn't mixed up straight. Mm-hmm. It was you know, mixed with something else. So chocolate is relatively healthy for us. Of course, the theobromine can be, you know, if we have too much of it, could be dangerous. But um, it is toxic to dogs because they can't metabolize it like us, and so they become poisoned. This is actually true of a lot of different animals. Uh, cats, it's poison for. Rabbits, it's poison for. What I, when I found out it was poison for rabbits, I knew that it was poisonous to dogs. I didn't realize it was poisonous to rabbits. When I found out it was poisonous to rabbits, I started looking around to see if anybody had actually used this as a bait to kill rabbits. And the interesting thing is, I couldn't find anything that anybody had ever tried to kill rabbits with it. We wouldn't waste chocolate on trying to kill well, rabbits. I, you know, <laughs> but I thought somewhere, sometime, somebody yeah. would have tried this. But apparently not. But the most interesting situation that I saw was September of 2014. Four black bears were found dead when a hunter baited them with 90 pounds of chocolate and donuts in New Hampshire. Wow. Uh, can you imagine death? That's truly death, death by, by chocolate. chocolate. That is kind of <laughs> cool, isn't, isn't actually. That, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, like I said, this is this is just fascinating. But there's a there's a downside to chocolate too, and and I think that's worth pointing out because chocolate is actually a big reason for the destruction of of rainforest. Because chocolate is not a particularly efficient food, and as I pointed out earlier. It's going to take one tree is only going to be enough for three large chocolate bars. What happens is that trees are planted uh, in, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a tropical food. Trees are planted in either an African area or South American area. The trees produce for a number of years very well, around 30, maybe 40 years. And then after they're done producing, a lot of pests move in. Not only do a lot of pests move in, the trees need more fertilizer, et cetera. They need a lot of work. So it's a lot easier to take out an area of rainforest and plant new trees than it is to reinvigorate the land that they're planting on. Mm -hmm. So what you find is a slow invasion of the rainforest, of the jungles with these uh, trees and a, and a slow destruction of the rainforest. So that's, a, that's kind of a big deal. And it's something that's happening, again, uh, you see it happening in the Ivory Coast and in South American countries. This is a cool plant. It's a neat plant. But the way that we're producing it right now isn't truly sustainable. It's something that uh, we're going to need to look at in the future. In the future. Um, do you know how, many, how much uh, chocolate Americans eat a week? No, tell me. Six million pounds. Are you serious? A week. Americans. No reason. No wonder we're, we're destroying it. And I'm the, eating a million. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate. And it's, I've never grown the plant, I'll have to, I have to admit, yeah. but I want to. And, and it's, uh, it's one of those though, that it's uh, thrives on the, near the equator mm-hmm. and it blooms several times uh, all year round actually. And so that can give rise to the, to the seed pods. 
the, mm-hmm. that you would harvest as chocolate. Mm-hmm. And so does yours bloom all year round in the greenhouse? Blooms all year round. And by the way, we fertilize. Um, With little flowers? We fertilize those <laughs> tiny flowers in two ways. The first is that we point the hose up into the tree as we water, and that actually spreads pollen. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that we do is if we're not having good set, we'll actually take a paintbrush and we'll hand pollinate. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But at home, you can you'll have to move this in and out of the house when our weather oh, yeah. changes. Is, and this is going to be this is a plant that I, I would think would need a real sunroom. Yes. So the the leaves remind me of a magnolia tree, mm-hmm. and it's trashy like a magnolia tree mm-hmm. too. In plantations, you know, maybe not your one plant, of course. Right. And you would move it in and out of the house. Um, you need two if you're going to pollinate it, mm-hmm. is my understanding. But it it would be a nice house plant if you had a really sunny. I'll point out that we found that not to be the case. Okay. Our, our tree does pollinate itself, but with almost every plant that you can name, and I actually can't think of any exceptions off the top of my head, cross-pollination improves um, fruit set. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's what they meant. But uh, something to know is that, of course, we're in a world of superfoods, uh, or naming yes. superfoods, Ugh. and I have to point out that the cacao which mm. is spelled C A C A O, right. is the the superfood quote unquote that they're selling and to incorporate into your food, mm. uh, coffees, smoothies, sort of speak, and that is unprocessed cocoa beans. Mm-hmm. And um, when in a lot of the chocolate that we eat, the cocoa, uh, the the powder that we find for sale or that's been you know transformed into a chocolate bar of course, has been very highly processed. That's not a bad, I'm not saying that's a bad no, thing. No, no. We say highly the, processed. Really, we mean fermented right. and uh, and ground. And it has to be done. Right. You know. Well, you know, the thing is, the uh, Europeans weren't even interested in that until they had sugar or some way to sweeten it. Mm-hmm. So um, I've had my hands on um, the actual gourd-like football size, right, like, right. I just didn't know how big it would grow in a greenhouse. Mm. And if you open it up, it, which is difficult, mm. so um, the monkeys do it in the, <laughs> in the in the rainforest. But if you open it up, the inside of it is white. Yeah. You know, and that that's interesting. And the beans are kind of inside They're of that. They're inside that. Yeah. And so they have to dry and then they have to be ground and they mm-hmm. have to be going through a process before we can utilize it. But cacao is the unprocessed, cold-pressed mm-hmm. right. superfood that uh, is quite a bit more expensive, but apparently worth it. So uh, I think we should try this at home. Uh, well, we can. As a houseplant. Ne- well, well, I don't know if I have a sunny enough room. But I'll tell you what, next time we have a pod, I'll pull it off of the tree. We'll, we'll try it out and okay. uh, and you get to try it Will fresh you germinate a seed for me? No problem. It actually, that's actually not hard. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for listening to The Plants We Eat. This has been a production of the University of North Carolina at Charlotte Botanical Gardens, the Isle Group at University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.